Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 11, Can't, Won't, or Don't. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17, New King James Version. This is your host, Ree. Today, I wanted to talk to you guys about can't, won't, and don't. I've had some very interesting conversations centering on these words, and I found that over the last 10 years, as my, I guess, relationship with Christ has been really deepening and growing, I found that I've had to really assess um, what I'm saying and what I mean and Having conversations with people has been a little frustrating because I've used one of these words and someone else has inserted a different word when they're repeating what I've said back to me because they've understood something different. So before we dive into um, these differences and why it's important, I want to first point out the differences between these words because I think a lot of times we don't really take the time to think about what the actual difference is between these words can't won't and don't so cannot will not and do not if you say i can't do something or i cannot do something there is an implication that it is beyond your power that you would like to do this but something else is keeping you from being able to do so so One of the easiest examples of this is when you're a child, when you're a minor, there are things that you would like to do. Like for instance, you'd like to go to your friend's house. You'd like to go to this birthday party. You'd like to go to this concert, but you cannot because your parent will not allow it. Or you may have, um, as an adult, you may want to do things, but you may not have the money to do something. So I cannot go out to eat with you because I don't have the money. Or maybe you have something else at the same time. I cannot go to this event because I'm already booked to be at that event. This is where you would use the word cannot. So again, it implies that there is a desire to do something, but something outside of your control or out, you know, some other type of circumstance is preventing you from being able to do what you would like to do. Do not or don't means that you just do not do these things, that it's something that you disagree with or it's something that um, you, you basically you have no desire to do it. So I do not smoke. 
it's not that I, it's not that something is stopping me from smoking. Um, I just don't want to smoke, therefore I don't smoke, right? There are certain things that I just do not do. I do not randomly walk up and punch people in the face because I don't want to do that. It's, I mean, granted there is a law that technically should stop you from doing that, but the whole concept is that when you do not do something or you don't do something, there is no implication of a desire to do it. You don't do it. You don't want to do it. That doesn't mean that you cannot do it. You may be free to do it. You just are choosing not to do that thing. Won't or will not is kind of somewhere in the middle of these two things. It means that there's nothing stopping you from doing it. Um, you may do it on occasion, but you're choosing in this moment not to do it. So for instance, for people who are like me that are more introverted and um, a little more asocial, there are times when, for instance, say my friends are going to the movies. It's not that I don't go to the movies. I go, I go to the movies on occasion if, if I'm so inclined or if I'm so interested. I don't see anything wrong with going to the movies, right? Um, it's not that I can't go. There's nothing else on my calendar. My parents are not telling me I can't go. I'm an adult. Um, it's not that I don't have the money to go or anything like that. It's just that I won't go because I have chosen not to go. And that's a very different thing. It's more like I have just decided, I have just purposed not to do it for my own personal reasons, whatever that may be. So these are three different words that we use to describe um, why we're not doing something or why we are not going somewhere or why we're not participating in some event or something another. And um, in all things in life, not just in your you know, Christian life, not just in things that pertain to your Christianity or your spirituality, in everything from your job to how you keep your house, whatever, this conversation will apply. But we're gonna focus in on your spiritual walk because that's what the podcast is about. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I have been kind of on a deep dive into my relationship with Christ for the past decade. Um, I've been a believer my whole life, but it really started to change uh, the end of my senior year in college, which would have been spring of 2010, like literally exactly 10 years ago. And it started with how I was reading the word. Growing up, you know, I went to Bible studies, I went to services at my church, um, and the way people teach the word is lacking. I think that's the nicest way I can say that. Um, we as Christians have a tendency to just pick verses that sound good to us. We pick things that are comforting and we kind of just lift things out of the Bible. Um, or you find people who just go in and they're just doing a study on, you know, Galatians or they're doing a study on the book of Matthew or something like that. And they stick pretty much into that particular topic and they can tell you about that thing. But... My senior year, I took this class called the History of the Old Testament. And the professor, I don't know if he was actually a believer or not. I don't know what he believed in, but he taught us from an academic standpoint. So for the first time in my life, 
I was reading the Bible the same way I would read something for my literature class or my English class, where you go through and you start putting things in context. You start comparing what was written here to what was written in the next chapter or what was written in the next book. Because despite people referring to the Bible as though it's one book, it's actually 66 books that are just compiled. It's like an anthology. And so you're supposed to be comparing what was written in Genesis to what was written in Matthew. They, they all go together. Um, and when you start reading it with a deeper understanding, when you start doing things like word studies, I know that's become a lot more popular now that YouTube is a thing, but you start to get very, very much in depth with the word. And the deeper you go into the word, um, assuming that you're praying and letting the Holy Spirit do the guiding of this deep dive, then the closer you get to God. And there are passages in the New Testament that tell us that, you know, we're supposed to be becoming more Christ-like. So the Holy Spirit dwells within us and the Holy Spirit is to convict us to give us the character that is more like Christ. That's where the fruit of the spirit that we talked about last season come in. And that is how our lives change. That's how we're transformed by the renewing of the mind. That's from Romans 12, um, for those who are curious. And one of the things I realized going through this is that <clears throat> the closer we get to being with God, the closer we get to him, the more we let the Holy Spirit lead us, the more our likes and dislikes start to line up with God. So when I was much younger, 10 years ago, um, there were things that I liked that are not godly things. I liked very violent movies. I liked very um, graphic music. I liked things that I don't think Christ would have sat down and, and been like, yo, this is a great movie or this is a great song, this is my jam. Like, I think he would have been repulsed by those things. And the closer I got to Christ, the closer I get to Christ, the more a lot of these things become less interesting to me. And so within this 10 year span, I've seen a lot of change in what I like, what I don't like, what I participate in, what I don't participate in. And it's been interesting because while all of these things change, there are certain things that don't change. So for instance, society hasn't really changed. It's still cranking out a lot of this things that I used to like, but do not like. Um, and my friend groups, I mean, granted I've moved places a lot. And so I've gotten new friends and I've lost contact with some friends and some friends I don't talk to as frequently. But in general, you know, I have some of the same friends. I have the same parents, obviously. I have the same family members. And so these things stay constant. And they're not necessarily changing uh, in the same direction that you are or at the same speed that you are. And so when you start having conversations about these new things that you do like or that you don't like, it starts to get muddy. I remember when I first stopped eating unclean meat, you know, I would say I don't eat pork and people would refer to it as 
she can't eat pork. Or, you know, when I started keeping the Sabbath, it's, you know, I don't go to the mall on the Sabbath. And it was, she can't go to the mall on the Sabbath. And, you know, originally it frustrated me that people were changing what I was saying because I started to realize the difference between can't and won't. But regardless of how people perceive your actions, what's really important is you understanding how you perceive your actions. It's important to know if you are doing things or not doing things because you can't do them, because you won't do them, or because you don't do them. When it comes to our faith in God, there is, a, one, there's a lot of different interpretations. Um, but more importantly, there's a lot of things that are just tradition, that have absolutely nothing to do with the word. They have nothing to do with God. It's just somebody came up with this idea. And we have this, this situation where you go, there are just complete opposite ends of the spectrum. You have, you have Christians who are what they term legalistic, where you cannot do anything. They have all of these rules and all these regulations, and they are basically oppressed. And people, you know, they, a lot of times the children will rebel and become, you know, atheists or agnostic as they grow up because they feel like they've been suffocated and the rules don't make any sense because man made it up instead of God. Um, and then on the other end, you have people who claim to be Christian that are just doing whatever they want to do. And it has nothing to, again, it has nothing to do with God. They're not, you know, anywhere closer to God's character. And then you have people all in between here. And a lot of times um, you start to hear people get into this debate about works, about legalism, and saying that, you know, we're not under the law and blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is there is still a standard and an expectation that God has for us. There are certain things that God said that will never pass away. Christ himself said, not one jot or tittle will be moved away until heaven and earth pass. He did not come to, to change the law or to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And a lot of people don't really understand the law. So they come away with this idea when they say that we're, we're not under the law, um, that they can just do whatever. And then when you start to apply rules, it feels restrictive. And let's be honest, we as people don't like rules. And it's a lot to get into to really go back and go through the law and go through how it applies to us today. But the short end of the story is that there was a stone tablet and the stone tablets had the law written in them in stone. And it was a combination of the Ten Commandments. It was a combination of um, what to do when people broke those commandments. It was a combination of ceremonies and feasts that had to be given, sacrifices and offerings. And in today's society, post-resurrection you know, of Christ, we have a different, a different way of fulfilling the law. So Christ fulfilled the law. He did not abolish the law. 
he fulfilled it. And in fulfilling it, he is that sacrifice. So just like they would kill someone who had committed adultery, well, Christ took that death sentence for us. Therefore, that part of the law does not apply. Christ was our Passover lamb. So I don't need to sacrifice a lamb on Passover anymore. These are the types of things that were nailed to the cross. And so when you look at it, you know, I don't think anybody would say, oh yeah, Christ died on the cross so that we can kill other people. Like, no, everyone's pretty aware that thou shalt not kill is still in effect. But the thing is, when you get into this relationship with God, it's not that you're just following what's written on a paper. Um, it's not that you're following the 5,000 extra laws that you know the Jewish council came together and, and created. Um, I'm exaggerating when I say 5,000. I don't actually know the number, but they did add a lot of laws on top of the laws that God had given them. But that's not how we operate today. Today we are given the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit writes the law in our heart. He convicts us of what is right and what is wrong. Now, after the Holy Spirit convicts us of what is right and what is wrong, there are a couple of different ways this can go. Sometimes we hear this conviction and we are wrestling with it because it's something we love. The Holy Spirit is telling us we can't do something that we really enjoy doing. Everybody else in the world is doing it. It seems harmless and you want to keep doing it. This is when the word can't applies because it is the Holy Spirit stepping in and trying to stop you from doing something you want to do. This is like the parent telling you, you can't go to your friend's house for the weekend when you really, really, really want to go. Then there are other occasions where the Holy Spirit convicts you and you're actually completely on board with it. You're like, yeah, I don't need that. I don't like that. I don't want to do that, whatever the case is. And you just stop doing it. You just don't do that anymore. And what happens is we should be aware of the difference between these two. When we communicate with each other, when we communicate with non-believers, when we communicate with ourselves, it's really important to understand whether you don't do something or whether you can't do something. When we say that we can't do something, one, it feels restrictive. Um, and by saying we can't do it, it reiterates in our brain that there's something we want to do that we cannot do. And it, re it emphasizes that restrictive nature. And this leads us to be, I guess, um, uh, resentful. And then you are you're not enjoying it. No one likes to feel like, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. I hear this a lot from the youth because their parents are telling them they can't do this, they can't do that. God said, don't do this, God said, don't do that. And it's not that they're convicted to not do it. It's just that the adults around them are telling them they can't do it. And so they see their relationship with God as just a series of rules of things God won't allow them to do. And that's a very... Um, it's not a fun thing. It's not an enjoyable thing. It's not something you would share with someone. It's just very blah, right? 
But what's bigger about that is a lot of times, at least in my experience, when you're saying that you can't do something, it's not actually the Holy Spirit that is convicting you. It is society. It is culture. So a lot of different denominations have traditions that have absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. You have some churches that will tell you that women cannot wear pants. And that's a whole nother topic and a whole nother subject. But you will go to some of these churches and they'll say women can't wear pants. Or you'll have some that they allow women to wear pants, but not at the service, right? You will have different definitions of what it means to be modest. Um, You have some, for instance, I found out that Seventh-day Adventists don't think that you should wear jewelry. And you will have some variants about consumption of alcohol, where some churches will tell you, you can't consume alcohol at all. And some will say you can have it, but you can't get drunk. And so there's just a very, um, there's, there's different takes on what's okay and what's not okay. And when you hear these rules, again, it's just like the Pharisees creating rules on top of rules. They're not written out in the Bible. It's someone's interpretation. It's how they've been convicted. And so when you look at those types of things, you will feel like, oh, I can't. I can't do this. And you can be getting closer and closer and closer to God, but your will is never, the Holy Spirit is not convicting you that you can't wear your earrings. And so that wrestling is always there because it's not the Holy Spirit that's telling you you can't wear your earrings. It's the pastor or the lady in the pew in front of you or the man in the pew beside you that's telling you and they can't move your heart. And so you're still like, man, I really want to wear these, but I can't. And, you know, you're struggling with that or you, you you know, you really want to, um, you know, dance or something and you belong to some uber conservative group that says you can't dance or something. But again, it's not that you can't. God is perfectly fine with you doing it. He hasn't convicted you not to do it. It's that you've been, you're putting yourself in that place. You're putting yourself in that restriction because you're following um, a man-made thing. Now, of course, sometimes God is convicting us and we just don't want to listen. We've all been there. We all have that moment where God is saying, do not do this. And I'm just like, but Lord, it's so shiny and pretty. I, can I, are you sure I can't do it? Are you sure? Um, we all have our Eve moments, okay? And so the reason I wanted to go through this conversation is because when we're in those moments, it's very, very important, both if we are in positions of teaching or discipling or mentoring, um, or just for our own edification of knowing the difference between these three words. Because there are things that I don't do that maybe there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, I don't do it, right? So for instance, I know people who, um, like for instance, okay, a perfect example, I don't wear makeup. 
I don't think there's anything morally wrong with wearing makeup. It's just I choose not to wear makeup for no particular reason at all. Probably because I'm lazy, but I just don't. And so it's important for me to understand that it's not that I cannot wear makeup. It's that I don't wear makeup. It's important for me to understand that that is not a biblical thing. It's not a uh, moral thing. It's just something I've chosen for myself. So if I'm talking to another believer and they're struggling because their, you know, their church family is telling them that they shouldn't be wearing makeup, it's important for me to be able to correct them and be like, no, 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 no. It's not that I can't wear makeup because God said don't wear makeup. I just don't wear makeup. You, you know, you have to, you know, talk to the Holy Spirit for your own, you know, understanding of that particular conviction. And similarly, when we're in when we're feeling like we cannot do something, when I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I really want to, you know, take a shot or I really want to cuss this person out or whatever it is that I feel like I cannot do, then I have to realize like, okay, I want to do this, but I feel like there is a reason that I'm not supposed to do this. Now I need to pray on this topic. I need to to meditate on this topic. I need to study the word about this topic and figure out, is it that I cannot do it? Is it that God has told me not to do this and I am wrestling within myself because I want to do it? Maybe I need to pray for God to strengthen me in that area. Maybe I need to pray for um, you know, growth in that area. Or, is it that this is a man-made idea and there's actually nothing wrong with it and I'm over here beating myself up over something that's completely irrelevant? And so I really want us to take the time to think about these things. Like I said, the most important place that this comes into part is for your own edification, for your own understanding of your own actions and the motivation behind your actions when you're saying things, I can't do this, I don't do this, I won't do this, um, knowing why, knowing where this is coming from and being able to you know, um, do some introspective searching and thinking to perfect our relationship with Christ and to understand where I need to pray, what I need to be studying, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also beneficial in our communication with other believers and with those around us because um, explaining that to other people is it's tricky and but it also has a, a great impact on how we mentor people especially like I said people with kids you know getting them to understand the difference between can't and won't getting them in this position where they can cultivate their relationship and not just see the, the relationship as a set of rules this is very important for us so that's what I want you guys to dwell on this week. Um, I will, as always, post the show notes in uh, on the website. I don't know how long they'll be. There may be a couple of verses for you guys to check out, but I'll put those up. You can always follow me on Instagram, Sheree.Hughes, and leave me a message either there or on the website or wherever you so choose. Thank you for tuning in. I will see you guys next week. Bye.